it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. The season is starting and Prosper Insurance is helped to stock you up on your favorite Washington football team gear by offering a $25 gift card to the NFL shop when you get a home and auto quote with them. You don't even have to buy a policy to get the $25 gift card, though the savings will be worth it. I can tell you from experience, the quote I received was $2,000 less than my previous insurer. It might not be like that for everyone, but why not find out? Finding the right insurance can be a pain, but Prosper makes it easy while providing great service and advice. Their licensed advisors shop the market with top companies like Allstate, Nationwide, Progressive, Travelers, and more to find you the perfect coverage at a great rate, which helps explain why Prosper has more than 1,000 five-star reviews on Google. You have nothing to lose. Simply visit prosper.insurance slash to get your quote and a $25 gift card. That's prosper.insurance slash KIME, K-E-I-M. This offer is good from August 29th to September 12th. You know what else is cool? They plant a tree for every policy they write. That's more than 66,000 trees and counting. Get ready to feel good about your insurance. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Today, it's just you and me as I dive into some mailbag questions as we await the final cuts on Tuesday afternoon. We're talking DNs, the receivers, concerns about the roster, and much more. Folks, I'm stuffing a catalog into your mailbox today because I have a lot to get to. I will have a bonus podcast after Final Cuts to take a look at the 53-man roster. Don't forget to read my work on ESPN.com. I have a 53-man roster projection out now on ESPN+. Wish I felt more confident about some spots, but when I turn it in, they didn't even know who some of the last spots would be. There's some educated guesswork. You make calls, you talk to people. But what I learned a long time ago in this business Just because you felt the guy was saved two weeks ago doesn't mean much at the final minutes. There was one time, I remember way back when, Washington had a reserve lineman. I was told by someone in the front office, this guy was safe. They cut him two weeks later. Sometimes another guy emerges, which makes it difficult to then justify keeping that guy. So besides the obvious guys, I try never to be shocked by anything. And one thing Ron Rivera said in his press conference on Sunday is that what they'll do is they're going to figure out how many O-line and D-line they want to keep, and then everything filters down from there. And by, by the way, I think, they're, I think they'll keep their nine or ten O-linemen, and last year I think they kept eight defensive linemen. Some of that will be dependent on some players' health. Anyway, let's get to it. At Vexler61 wants to know, have you, ever, have you heard anything on bringing in, a vet, bringing in a veteran edge rusher? Backups lack, lack proven track record. Well, it is a concern. On Sunday, Rivera said that they'd like to have a veteran at that position. I have Casey Tuhill on my 53-man roster because of what I heard a week ago, that they wanted him to get ready for the season and to not rush back. But if they feel he won't be ready early in the season, 
then it's really hard to keep him on the 53-man roster. Tua has played nine NFL games, but right now his competition is William Bradley King, Shaka Tony, and Daniel Wise. And Tony got a lot of run the other night, not just at, from scrimmage, but also from special teams. Guy that big, if he can run fast, is valuable there. I do think he has to mature in a few ways, but I think he offers some skills there. It's why I think, if nothing else, he's on the practice squad. But those three have zero combined NFL games. So, yes, I think if a vet becomes available, they'd strongly consider it. Of course, if they like him, just because we may know the name, it doesn't mean that they're going to like the guy. They had a veteran here in Ryan Kerrigan, and they chose not to resign him. Just your average fly guy. Um, question revolves around two players that he hope, that I hope make the 53 and I hope one doesn't. What are the odds Patterson and Milne have shown enough to make the roster? And what are the odds that Apke has proven he just isn't an NFL player? Well, to me, Patterson has shown more, at least in bigger ways or more obvious ways, because he had more opportunities. When you're a running back, you're getting to showcase your skill a little bit more because it's dependent on the guy just handing it to you versus throwing it to you. I, I don't I don't think Milne has shown enough that somebody will have to snatch him up. That's the key here. Have they shown, you know, now if they somebody liked him before the draft, I mean he was a late seventh round pick, you know, so you'd have to really kind of to me go above where you were at to then justify someone else picking you up and then putting you on their roster. I do think Milne can be developed. I like him but I'm not sure that he's there yet. I do think there's a chance. Anyway, I think Patterson has shown skills that somebody might want to use now, or at least could help him quicker or sooner than Milne, even if it's just as a, as a kickoff returner. Both have also shown they have work to do. Patterson's drops the other night were indicative of his inexperience in this role. In both cases, tried to speed up the catch and start running too soon. It's not a skill thing because this wasn't an issue in camp. I think he has good hands. I think that was a concentration issue. I like Milne. I think he can be developed. I don't see him being able to help much now outside of being a returner. I do like uh, Rivera talked about his competitiveness the other day, and I think he's very competitive. I like his blocking. That said, it wouldn't shock me at all if he made the roster as a sixth receiver, which would mean he's the returner, and Antonio, Antonio Gandy-Golden and DeAndre Carter would be out. I had Patterson making it as a fourth running back. Bram and I discussed this on the previous podcast after um, the preseason finale. As for Apke, I'm not sure why people are so bitter about him possibly making it as a guy who almost exclusively plays special teams. I get why you'd be that way if they were saying this guy might start or this guy's going to play a lot from scrimmage. Nobody's saying that. And why do you think Jordan, Jared Norris might make it? Whether people want to hear it or not, Apke is an NFL player. He's considered above average on special teams. Again, that's where his role is. Would I want him playing from scrimmage? No nor would I want Norris or David Mayo from scrimmage either. But though I've, I've received zero questions or comments about them. I understand why. I know what we saw last year, but these are the same dudes. These are guys that are special teams guys. Apke was a bad fourth-round pick. He could not play safety. We know that. We saw that. He was not the worst corner in camp. He did actually improve. If he's your sixth corner, you're okay because it means he's just a special teamer and he's a couple injuries away from being – a contributor, and I think it, let's say they have six corners and two get hurt, doesn't mean Apke's suddenly their fourth corner. It means they have to go find two other corners that would probably play ahead of it. So I don't, I'm not, you know, keep it in perspective. They think he can help from scrimmage if needed. That's what matters. Sometimes I think people hear, hear this and think I'm this huge Apke fan. It's not the case. I'm trying to tell you how they view it and the lens through which they look because that's what matters. And I understand his value on special teams. To ignore that 
would be wrong. Now, again, if they came out and said, this guy's, this guy could help us at corner, I would, I would have serious questions about that, serious questions. But they like him on special teams. If all he did this year was play special teams, he will help them. If he has to become a starter at corner, whenever, whoever your sixth corner is, if that guy has to start at corner, you're in trouble. All right, let's go on. At Virginia Statesman, Statesman Josh Stack wants to know, what are you seeing and hear about Del Rio employ, deploying a 5-2 with Matt Ioannidis as an extra down lineman? Well, they used this alignment last season, so no one should be shocked or surprised to see it again. It's not new. In fact, they used it 63 times last season. The difference is that my, Matt Ioannidis wasn't there most of last season, of course, because of the injury. They showed this very early in training camp and have continued to use it throughout. It's a way for them to get their best lineman on the field. It's another package to use, and essentially they go into a 3-4 look with Chase Young and Montez Sweat serving almost as outside linebackers. So one of the ends will typically end up dropping in this formation, whether it's, again, Young or Montez Sweat. It is designed to get them into good one-on-one -on -one situations, and you will see it this year. I think it can be effective. I think it's fun to watch because, again, it gets more of their best players on the field at one time. At DRH, Scott Forty says, hello from Scotland. What's the current vaccination rate for the team? And do you think it will matter if players on the bubble are vaccinated or not for Tuesday cuts? Well, it's above 90%, more than 90%. Um, that's the proper way to say it and whatever. So I don't want to get in trouble by a grammar place. Rivera said earlier in camp that it wouldn't matter. But what if there's a scenario where two guys are up for one spot, they're pretty close in, in ability, one is vaxxed and the other isn't? Well, availability is the number one issue in the NFL, and there's also, based on the numbers, a greater likelihood one would spread it and would spread it more. And unvaxxed players have greater restrictions by NFL rules as far as what they can do, where they can go, et cetera. And then they'd be out longer if, you, if you're vaxxed versus unvaxxed. The rules are different as far as if you catch the virus and how, how, how soon you could come back or, you know, with contact tracing and all that stuff. Um, so those are NFL rules, and it's hard to ignore this. To me, it'd be hard to ignore this when making the decision, whether it's you know consciously or, or subconsciously. You're, I think it's going to play a factor whether they say it or not. I mean, but again, I think you're talking about if all things are equal. If there's a big gap, I think you take the guy that helps you the most, and you know, and, and there you go. Football is right around the corner. Get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. And with the NFL returning, DraftKings is giving new customers $200 in free bets instantly when you bet $1 or more on any football game. Listen up because you don't want to miss this. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and place a bet of $1 or more on any week, one game to receive $200 in free bets instantly. If Sportsbook is not yet available in your state, DraftKings still has huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contests. And for week one, DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at a $1 million top prize. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code KIND to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code KIME, K-E-I-M, for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. 
See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. W-I-T-H-I-T. At Ali Mohammadi. Hope I didn't botch that. Um, how confident is the coaching staff in the quarterback situation specifically? Have they seen anything that would get them involved in trade talks for Deshaun Watson? I think they feel confident that they could win nine or 10 games with this crew. They also know quarterback will be top the priority list in the offseason. They don't have the ammo other teams do to pull off a move for a quarterback such as Watson if there is serious competition for him. If Miami is indeed the front runner, as there have been some reports, I have no idea if that's the case. Miami has a first and second round pick from San Francisco this year and has two first round picks in 2023. Now, none of them might be high because you're talking about Miami could win 10 games and San Francisco could win a number of games, but there is volume to offer. Washington can't offer that. Their picks might be around the same spot as Miami's and they only have their, their own picks. So they need to include top young defensive line talent because that's where the talent is. You're not giving them junk to get to Sean Watson back. You're not going to give them a lot of junk and make it seem like, like it's a good deal. You're giving up players of high value. Philadelphia has multiple first-round picks this spring, and one could be in the top five. And then there's this. An organization that just went through what it did with the investigations over the last year would probably be reluctant to trade for a guy with multiple accusations against him. This isn't about innocent and prove, until proven guilty. It's all about trying to determine the public relations end of it. And I think that's where it would have problems. But I will start with this. They don't have the ammunition to get a guy like that unless you really, really, really give up some guys of value on that defensive front. At John Fry, oh man, I'll just say it's Cap Skins fan. All right, what other weaknesses or areas of concern going into the regular season? Well, good question because they exist. Um, on defense, my concern is that linebacker. You don't need studs behind this group. If you do, then that group isn't as effective as you think. It's why you go back a few years ago, Denver had a really good defensive line. Well, they had a collection of lower round picks playing well behind a terrific defensive front. And those linebackers went out and got paid. And you look, it's like, oh, this guy's a sixth round pick. This guy's a fourth round pick. You need guys who are smart and effective. I'm not convinced. And I don't, you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But I'm not convinced the run D will be a lot better. Some of that could be on linemen making sure you're doing your, you're hitting your one gap. Um, some of it, some of it's definitely on the linebackers. We need to see it. But I think that is a concern. You've got to go out and prove that it is better. I'd say depth at defensive end as well. I think that would be a big issue if there's an injury. If not, then it's going to be an, an issue on a handful of plays a game. On offense, quarterback to me remains a concern. I think the position is better than last year. I also think that speaks to last year's group as a major issue more than it speaks to this year's group as a major solution. Ryan Fitzpatrick is on his ninth team for a reason. I do think he has a lot of value, and I think he can have some really good games. Over 17 games, how will it look? We don't know. And with Taylor Heineke, you really did enter camp with the ability to win the job if Fitzpatrick did not improve in the spring and if he looked really sharp. Fitzpatrick improved. Heineke really in practices was not looking really sharp. I know what we've seen in games, but I'm just telling you what they've seen from start to finish. Um, and again, I think it could be a good situation. I think Fitzpatrick could play well. And I, my concern with Heineke is always durability. If he had to go in there, could he, can he can he last for more than a handful of games to, based on his size and the way and his style of play? I don't know. I don't, I'd have my doubts, to be honest, severe doubts. And I, I know, listen, that's the number one thing I hear from other people too about him. Um, and anyway, I'm concerned about the tight end depth. 
to a degree, the running back depth, depending on what moves they make. Will the starting O-line be more consistent? I think we have to see all those things. I think in some cases, I think they have a lot less ifs than they did in the past, but I think there's still enough that keep them, that keep you from going, yes, I think they can win the NFC East too. Yes, I think they could contend for something beyond that. All right, James Ogletree. I noticed they use Ricky Seals-Jones as a fullback at least once versus Cincy. How could that factor into both the tight end discussion and the short yardage discussion? Any chance that a competent um, de facto fullback could make Barber more expendable? Well, they've used their tight ends as a fullbacks for a while now, pretty much ever since they they, um, cut Darrell Young back early in Jay Gruden's tenure. So that part really isn't new, but it does factor, and this is a good question, it does factor in the tight end discussion because you need somebody who can fill that role, a guy who can block on the move. That's what I think they're hoping Hemingway would develop into, and it's what gives Ricky Seals-Jones more of a chance. But I believe if he makes it, they'd end up keeping four tight ends. I, I do think they end up keeping Samus Reyes because they've seen enough from him that they don't want to lose him. They want to see him develop. And I don't know if they'll keep four or not. I think, I think that's a question that they're going to be debating today and tomorrow morning. So that would likely mean if they don't only keep three, I think that's John Bates or Logan Thomas would serve in this role. Thomas did some of that last year. I think it was, I think his, he averaged about once a game or so in that role, but they all, but they will have to have somebody do it. I don't, you know, if they, I will say this, and here's where it could make, you know, the barber play. If you kept four tight ends, because you feel you need to keep those guys, you got to go one less at some other spot that could, could it be running back? Sure. I, I mean, again, I think every scenario becomes on the, gets is, is on the table at that point, but I don't think they become a short yardage back. Um, I think you look at last year was Ryan Anderson would play in some of those short yarded situations. So, you know, maybe you find a linebacker who can maybe Khalid Hudson ends up doing, I don't know, but somebody else, you know, if in the short yarded situation. Um, but anyway, I hope that clears it up. Big Ebbs one, Steve Ebner says, where to ask, where do you, where do you slash they see Sadiq Charles ultimately? Is he a starter soon or eventually? And if so, at what spot, right tackle, left guard? I don't see him as a starter soon, mainly because the bulk of his reps were at tackle and they wanted to see if he could be a, a, a guard slash tackle because that increases his value to them. They do feel like he's had a good camp. They do like him at guard. Um, a lot will depend on if they, for, you know, going as far as future starting, clearly injuries. But I think even at guard, I think you're going to look at Eric Flowers, Wes Schweitzer. Wes Martin is back in the conversation, believe it or not. I think he was a guy that was off, to me, off the radar entering camp but he's had a better camp. And so he's back on the radar. So I think that will be something. And I, th- and I know they've tried him at some at center to see if he can handle that, which would increase his value to them. So, but I think for as far as Charles down the road, a lot's going to depend on if they keep Charles Leno, Charles Leno Jr. behind beyond this year at left tackle, which would mean Sam Cosme stays at right tackle. And well, in that case, Charles then is a guard. And I, multiple people I've talked to some inside and outside the organization view him best as a guard. He has improved the tackle this summer. He has some issues. It's still new for him. But I think his value right now is in a swing role. And I could see him playing eventually, but I don't, I don't know when. But as far as a starter goes, I would see that more um, next year than I do this year. I'm barring injury. All right. At real, at real underscore Gregory LS. Thoughts on Jamin Davis. Quick one. Needs more experience. We'll be curious to see how, he, how aggressive he attacks his gaps in the run game, et cetera needs to develop for this defense to take that so-called next step. I think there's some positive signs. I thought he did better in the second preseason game than the first. 
Um, but I think, you know, I think it's going to be a big challenge for him getting to the regular season with the responsibilities on him. Um, if, if you start to see, I think it's going to take him a minute to get going. The key will be his progression in the second half of the year as much as, as anything. And if he does become more aggressive in that role. Um, at Jay Banks 31, why do you think Harmon fell out of favor? I liked his skill set. Well, let's just say this. Harmon remains unsigned two weeks after being cut. That should tell you something. I think he can get a shot somewhere at some point, but he's probably just a practice squad guy at this point. He was not a fast guy to begin with. That hurt him in the draft a couple years ago, and then he hurt his knee. I like how physical he is, I, but he is limited. He, he don't, you never saw him really creating much separation on his routes. But again, he knew he could use his size. But if you're talking about, you know, you want to see some separation at some point because he's not like he's some you know, super tall guy who can just go out and out muscle everybody all the time. Um, but I do think that's where his skill set is, is that physical play. And I think it gives him a chance to get back on a roster at some point. At one point, based on what I heard in the offseason here, I felt he might end up on the practice squad and then in the offseason transition to tight end. I did not think he would make this roster as a receiver. And then finally, let's see, Troy Lewis wants to know, chances they keep seven receivers and Carter doesn't make the team. Eight D linemen, Cam Sims surprise cut, five linebackers. It's a lot to get to, but not, but not a long answer though. They like Cam Sims, so no. If they keep, I'd be, I'd be really surprised by that. If they kept seven, I think I would think Carter makes it, but I can see a scenario where that's not the case. They could keep Dax Milner or even Isaiah Wright as a returner, and then Gandy Golden as a seven. Carter has his own ball security issues and NFL high seven fumbles on punt returns since 2018. That's hard to ignore. As for five linebackers, that's what my final roster had. But I also think that I think they somehow somehow keep six. I think I just wasn't sure where they cut at another spot. But to me, that would be three backups who are by far better on special teams and really don't project to being starters down the road or, or key players beyond special teams down the road. Again, two would be strictly special teamers. Kalik Hudson might be able to help them from scrimmage in some role at some point. But I, I have, I'm not sold on that just, just now, but none of them really project as future starters. So I think that's why, be, to me, it'd be hard to keep six. But if you want really good special teams play, you, you may end up doing that. Um, I was told that two or three players on defense would just be special teams guys. That means there'd be two such players, a linebacker, likely one at DB. Now, here's the other way you could look at it, too. If you wanted to go, I do think it's going to be eight D linemen. The question would be, would you put nine on there? Because if you put nine, then one of them is a special teams guy. Now, of that group, I think William Bradley King and, and, and Shaka Tony, if they were a ninth D lineman, I could see that because of special teams. Shaka Tony's gotten a lot of work with the ones on special teams this year. And again, he's a big guy. He, he's, he's a small defensive end, but he's at what, 230 pounds, 6'3". He can run a little bit. That helps on special teams. So that's where his value would be. So if you kept a ninth, it would be strictly for special teams. So you keep one less linebacker and then you go with um, 90 linemen. And then if you had 90 linemen, you're probably keeping 10 defensive backs, in which case maybe a special teamer there would be in trouble. Anyway, that's it from me. Thank you very much for all your questions. I apologize. This went a little bit longer than I anticipated. Um, I appreciate you tuning in. Again, I'll be back on Tuesday night with a bonus podcast to discuss the final cuts for Washington's 53-man roster. Talk to you next time.